Good morning, Grace. Wow, it was great to hear worship this morning. We have so many people singing now. We can hear each other. That was beautiful. Um, we're in our study on First Peter. We're in chapter 2. We're finally getting to the place where it's like how to live as priests. Uh, it reminded me of a time I don't talk about my... my I, there, was a ser- there was a time in my life where I was involved in law enforcement, and it didn't end well, so I don't talk about it much, but I'll tell you, how it, I'll tell you about it today. Uh, I was in the safety patrol in fifth grade, <laughs> and I had a badge and everything, and I was very good at what I did. As, as an enlisted man, as a sergeant, we would, we would stand out on the, on the streets where the crosswalks and we would hold our signs, and then when the captain would say, signs out, we would step out into the traffic, into the street, and hold that sign out with the stop sign on it, and, and make sure our fellow students could, tr- could travel across that street with peace and safety. They were protected by us. I was a good soldier. I was. And then, and then in the spring of my fifth grade year, uh, I was promoted to captain, and I felt the power enter my soul. Like now I was the person that could say the words, signs out, signs in. If I just decided to say signs out, then people moved and they put those signs out. We stopped traffic and it was up to me. I could stop as many cars as I wanted for as long as I wanted to. And I mean like thousands of pounds of, of, of machinery just because I was like, you know what? I'll tell you when you can carry on with the rest of your day. Now you can, signs in. Anyway, you could kind of tell it got to me. And um, there was this one car, this one car. I would stop it every single morning, every time. And it, and it didn't matter if we even had kids at the crossing. I'd say, signs out, and people would say, but captain, and I'd say, obey your orders. And they'd put the sign out, and they'd stop this car every day. And you're probably thinking, that kid, fifth grade, was already a jerk. I'm saying, this is the car. This is the car I stopped every day. (laughs) Yeah, that's a 1969 Dodge Charger Daytona. How do you like me now? That's the first Charger the Dodge made that could break 200 miles per hour. In its Hemi engine, it had 425 horsepower. That design was used in NASCAR. They made it illegal. They banned the car. It was so much better and so much faster. You could buy one of those right now, a small block version of that. It costs more than my house. You can, there's only a few left, but the ones with the Hemi engines, they go for a million dollars. Yeah, uh-huh. So other captains had just let this Dodge Daytona drive by, but not on my watch, kids. No, sir. We're going to stop that car. And every time we would come down at 742, Monday through Friday, signs out. We don't need kids. We're going to stop that car. And people wanted to be on my team because we would stop the Daytona. And we'd just sit there and stare and gawk, you know. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I would do it again as a grown-up. It wasn't even my fault. I mean, it was like, that's too much awesome in the presence of a a young boy. So it was his fault for being such a Dodge Daytona. Actually, the owner didn't mind so much. He liked us staring at his car. Probably eventually changed his calendar so he could get to work on time, knowing he was going to get stopped. So anyway, there's, um, I think it has something to do with 1 Peter. Hold on, wait. 
Right. Yes, there's an application here. <laughs> Rank has responsibility. That's what I'm trying to say. I was given a position of honor. You should ask, you should you live honorably. If you have a badge or a crown or a robe, you should live your life with dignity, with diligence. That's what I'm saying. Who you are should affect and determines what you do. I was given a little bit of rank, you know, captain of the safety patrol, and I used it for my own gain, for my own pleasure, for my own little adrenaline bump. Peter's writing the people then and there, and he's writing you and me here and now. And he's saying this, you have to understand who you are. Because when you understand who you are and what your rank is, that'll show you what you're supposed to do. And you need to live honorably while on duty. And our job is to make Christ famous. What does it say? That you may declare the, pra the, the praises of him. So we've been talking about this for two previous weeks, and now we're here. Now we're at the place like, how are we to live as royal priests, as a holy nation, as precious possessions of Yahweh God? We're supposed to live as people of consequence during a hostile world. Peter's going to just keep the theme that he's been going with so far. He's going to almost repeat himself for the third time. Who you are, identity, will determine what you do. And he's going to use the same outline that we've used that he's seen two other times. Don't do bad, do good. In this particular section where he tells us how we're supposed to live, he's going to say, listen, you're fighting a war on two fronts. It's not going to be easy. You're going to fight a war on two fronts. One of the fronts is going to be inside. One of the front is going to be outside. You have two different enemies, and you're going to have two different tactics to defeat them. Think about that while we read this passage. Two fronts, a war on two fronts. Dearest friends, or in some translations, beloved, beloved. Dear friends, beloved, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live with such excellent lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. This is loaded with meaning. A war on two fronts. Two fronts, two different strategies. And the strategies are strange and a little counterintuitive because he's going to say when the war that's going on inside yourself, be really mean. The war that's going outside, be really nice. Be nice to the mean people <laughs> and be mean to the nice person, right? <laughs> kind of, right? Here's the war within, the first verse there. He says, my, my dearest friends, beloved, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Again, look, look at all the, like, got to read it slowly because you want to see there's a lot of identity words here. He's, 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 before he moves on, he's going to make sure we know who we are, what our rank is, what, what great honor we have. He's saying, in the context of all of these trials that are going on, beloved, you're foreigners, you're exiles. And he's going to use the identity words for different purposes. So with beloved, he's going to motivate us. This is the motive in the way you're going to fight this war on two fronts. He says, beloved, my dear friends, Beloved is a word that is wrapped in agape. Some of you know that Greek word, unconditional, unrelenting love that we sang about. We are God's beloved. <laughs> we are chosen by him. 
And he's saying, look, like you have this honored title, live an honored life. Here's what he's not saying. Live a holy life so that God will love you. He's not saying you should live a righteous life so that you could have salvation. He's not saying that. He's saying because you are already deeply loved and and should be satisfied in that, you should be amazed in wonder and in joy because of what Jesus Christ has done for you, and now you are his beloved. You are his dearest children. And then he goes on. That's the motive. And then he says, as foreigners and exiles. Again, two identity words, and this is not so much his motivation as it is managing expectations. It's like, hey, you know, you're not from here. Uh, The word foreigner literally translates alongside the house. In other words, you don't live in the house. You live alongside the house. There's a house, that's life. You're on the side yard over there. That's where you live, in a tent. This isn't your home. And he's doing that to manage expectations. He doesn't want to get our hopes up because then when we're surprised, we're like, oh, no. And so he's saying, look, 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 you don't belong here. Don't be disappointed when true justice does not prevail. It won't. Not here, not now. When lying liars are able to gain power, like, how does that happen? Only here, but for a very short time. He's saying, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore, Dorothy. He's saying this, if life is a game, we're, we're constantly playing on away fields. If you've ever been in a visitor's, sometimes like this is classic kind of Texas football, sometimes the visitor's dugout or the visitor's changing room, that they're... <laughs> They're rancid, right? They don't fix anything in there. The toilets don't work. They have the, the heater going in the summertime. Yeah, yeah, that's what it means to be a visitor. That's what it means to play away games. And you're thinking, well, when do we play home field advantage? Peter says, right, good thinking. That's what you're supposed to be. When it's home field advantage, everything will be different. But until then, here's what you're supposed to be thinking. Identity, motivation, you are loved, beloved by God. You're a foreigner, you're an exile, you're on assignment to make Yahweh famous for his love and justice. So get out there and win. That's what he's saying. You have the war with, in the war within, he's telling you to fight. He's, this is what he's, and now he's gonna start talking about how to live this way, to be violent towards your own ego and passions. He says, I urge you, I beg you, my brothers, I beg you to abstain from sinful desires, which, look at the word, which wage war against your soul. There's a war going on for your soul. <laughs> Fight, like to win, violent towards your own passions. Look, here's how it looks in the negative way. I love this quote from uh, Ryle. He says, being ruled by your desires of your body will murder your souls. Love the, the violent vocabulary. It will murder your souls. Peter's saying, the greatest enemy for your holy living, the greatest enemy for your holy living is your own passions, your own ego. I like what one writer says. This is one guy who used to bug him all the time. I have more trouble with this D.L. Moody than any other man that I know, said D.L. Moody. (laughs) Anybody relate to that? Yeah. Hey, 
You're your own worst enemy. Peter says, exactly. So what Peter's saying here in the first part, all right, on the battle within, the war on one front, the one that's inside, he's saying, look, your lifestyle, you're supposed to honor your rank. You're a royal priest. You should act like a royal priest. You are beloved. That should motivate you to, to, to exalt the name of Jesus, not exalt your name. Now, all of that is in the context of being persecuted and in enduring very difficult hardships. We're supposed to tame the beast within us. That's the first front. The second front, okay, the war without. He says this in verse 12. Live such excellent lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. <laughs> so... Look at this battle plan. The battle plan is not to take the high ground and then destroy the enemy, right? That's what you think, but that's not, he says, no, no. Like while you're winning the inside battle that's going on violently inside of you, when you live such excellent lives on the outside that other people are forced to glorify God by telling stories about. All, all the while, look what it says, they are accusing you of doing wrong. They're accusing you of doing wrong. In the context of Peter's life, the people that he wrote, they made up lies about the church. They, 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 they said that they were atheists and superstitious, incestuous cannibals. Atheists because they didn't believe in all the other gods that the Romans worshipped. They were superstitious because they believed in miracles. We get made fun of that, right? They said they were incestuous because brothers were marrying sisters. And they were cannibals because they practiced some ritual where they ate the body and then drank the blood of their leader. They were lies, and many people knew that. They were scapegoats for every political failure so that people could stay in politics, the lying liars. And how do you respond to all those accusations and lies? He says, live excellent lives because they're watching Live excellent lives because they're watching, and they're going to glorify God by telling stories about you here and now and then and there. Here and now and then and there. Here and now. You're just like, they come home and they, you're like, hey, Dad, someone mowed the lawn while we were on vacation. I think it's that kind of that crazy guy down the street that's always going to church. Yeah, okay, he probably did. I thought they were cannibals. Well, maybe, but he sure knows how to work a weed eater better than you, Dad. Go to your room. Okay. <laughs> Didn't they bring us like a really great lasagna when mom got sick? What is the deal with those people? They seem like, I don't know. They sure are loving for cannibals. I, it's not making sense, really. I don't know. But they're praising God every time they talk about the good deeds. Excellent, excellent lives, it says. Live excellent lives. The word has synonyms. Let me, I just wrote them down. It means beautiful, winsome, gracious, polite, fine and noble. All the while, they're lying about you. All the way, all the while, they're hostile towards you. I saw this, a little bit of this, just a picture of it. I was at a, a rally last year, and there were some people that were very antagonistic to our police department. And it was, it was amazing to see the men and women of our police department being yelled at, you know, pretty profane words, while they were protecting the people yelling at them. There, there was a car coming down the street, and the police officers stopped the cars from hitting the people yelling at them, and then had them, you know, continue marching. 
And it just didn't even fluster. People were in their face screaming at them, and they were living excellent lives, beautiful, winsome, gracious, and polite. I, they, were, they were an expression of this. They, they weren't going to be buckled by other people's conduct. They had a badge, and they lived up to the badge they wore. They're going to glorify God here and now and then and there. Peter says, and he constantly refers to the return of Christ, and he says there, they will glorify God on the day he visits. In the final judgment day, everyone has to tell the truth. They can't do anything else in the presence of God. And God's just going to say, well, so tell me about the people that lived around you that were followers of mine. And they're going to say, yes, your majesty, they did live this way. Yes, your majesty, they did live most excellent lives. And every one of those stories will glorify God. Well, I want to I bring to you some stories of people that live most excellent lives, even in a time where sometimes the church isn't exalted. Uh, I want to bring up Daniel from ADRN. ADRN, Austin Disaster Relief Network. Uh, greet Daniel here. Good, uh, thank you. I wanted to, I just, when I was looking at this passage three weeks ago, I thought, wow, there's a, there's a living example of this right before us. Uh, D- Daniel has been working with ADRN since 2009. He was one of the founders of that. They, they lived in our, our, uh, our place across the street for about four years. Uh, they office there. It was the first formal office that they had. They serve, they've, they've combined 200 churches. They have served 43,000 survivors, thousands of people. They've given out $16 million of resources in the years they've been uh, serving in Austin Disaster Relief. And I wanted to bring them up here because there's so many fun stories that you have. But tell us a little bit about, you know, a little bit about the history of ADRN and, and maybe even how we've been part of that. And then I want to talk about that freeze that we had last sure. year. Sure. I just want to first and foremost say we cannot praise God enough for this amazing church. Y'all been such a huge support all the years from the very beginning, yep. giving us a place to stay. Uh, we go back a long ways. Uh, when we were not a lot of anything yet, Grace put their arms around us, gave us a place here at uh, your, your, your headquarters. And uh, if it wasn't for that, I don't know where we would be today. Sure. So... Uh, along with all the support and love. It means a lot to us. Well, it has been a joy to watch uh, the ministry thrive and so many churches across denominational lines just trying to live excellent lives and glorify God by their great works. Amen. But in particular, because it was so magnified by the blizzard that hit. Tell us about what was going on at ADRN. We know a little bit of the stories from behind the scenes, from maybe the fire department and first responders, but what was happening you guys, you guys got a little sucker punched, right? Didn't you think it yeah, was Yeah, we a- did. I, I thought, uh, you know, I was ready to go play with my girls. They were excited. Uh, Stephen here, associate director, stand up, Stephen. Yeah. He's been with us 10 years. I called Stephen and asked him. I said, hey, I think we need to be at the emergency operations center. Uh, you know, we never know. Why don't you bring a book? It might be slow. Uh, and, you know, something to read. It's going to be boring. Next thing you know, I get 30 minutes of playing with my girls. And he says... It's, but we need you. I need you as quick as possible. Next thing you know, uh, the mayor's on the phone with him along with others, and they're saying we need rescue. Uh, there's a lot of people out there way beyond what the fire department could handle to rescue people. Uh, I had a call from a woman that 
Uh, her mother uh, was just soaked. She's 80 years old. Her pipes had burst. Uh, she's walking outside. It's six degrees. And so this woman needs to be picked up in 30 minutes. So I call our, our uh, CIO, uh, Bill, stand up. He's an, did an amazing job. We had never dispatched prior to this ever. Next thing you know, we have 200 four-wheel drive vehicle volunteers roaming around, picking up nearly 600 people, dropping off food, supplies, taking people to warming shelters. I mean, this is the body of Christ at its best, right? Mobilizing and doing whatever it takes. And like you said, Jesus makes us look really good so we can make him look good. And uh, it went from there uh, to, uh, uh, you know, going into a place of cleanup and mucking out. We raised up a 800 number where we had over 860 families say, we need the church to come and help us muck out or clean up debris in our homes. So 41 churches rallied together. And the next thing you know, we have over 1,300 work orders that the churches are starting to take down mm -hmm. and clean up. And, and again, a beautiful picture of the body of Christ working together. Sure. You know, Psalm 133 says that when the brother dwell together, commands a blessing. Well, this is the kind of blessing yeah. that all the people get to see and witness. And next thing you know, uh, we have people tweeting all about us and, and on Facebook and social media where even uh, Hollywood uh, uh, actors and Anne Hathaway to Michael Dell to Elon Musk, you name it, they're all promoting. We have over a billion, uh, 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 I guess, views over social media. And this is how wide and broad uh, it began to get and money began to pour in from all around the nation so we could begin walking with these families and assisting them. Uh, ultimately, that led us to opening up intake centers, to coming around hundreds of families, providing financial uh, money, uh, hotels. We're putting up quite a few people in hotels. Uh, we're asking the church to sponsor over 200 families that are saying we want a church to walk with us through this crisis. And then ultimately, we're beginning the repair and rebuild of homes uh, that suffered through the pipes bursting. So that's kind of a snapshot. And one other thing I want to share with you is a most remarkable story. During the midst of all this, right in the beginning, one of our uh, employees uh, is a fire, fireman also. He works in the dispatch. And he, his big testimony was this. He says, we were there, and it was like, great chaos. The city of Austin has never seen anything like this power, water shortages, right? Freeze, right? People being stuck. And the fire department was so overwhelmed, they could not handle the calls. And he's in dispatchers, about 12 dispatchers taking all the calls, thousands coming in, of calls coming in. And he told the fire chief, why don't we hand out these flyers and ask people to be pointed to the Austin Disaster Relief Network? We're going to need their help. The fire chief says, get many of those flyers made, hand them out to the dispatch. And so the next thing he knows, he's just hearing dispatch person after dispatch person saying, call the Austin Disaster Relief Network. And as he heard that, he remembered, this is the church. Yeah. And he just began to weep, weep he said. He just, it just overwhelmed him to know that the church was so valuable in such a great time of need. Mm -hmm. And so this is kudos to all of us here, to especially you, Matt, and Pastor Ray for 
the, the, this is why we do what we do, is right. to glorify him. And boy, Jesus was glorified in this disaster. Telling the stories. Is Multitudes of people have come to the Christ also. Right. This. I yes. mean, you guys aren't shy about your faith. <laughs> no. Praying for people, yeah. just seeing it in their eyes. You need prayer. Yes, I do. Let's go. Even our own call center received over 3,000 calls of people asking for help. Sorry. And all of them were prayed for. Wow. So what, is, what does the future look like for ADR? <laughs> Austin Disaster Relief Network in the well, next few years. you know, back when I was here, spoke here in 2014, you flashed the American Disaster Relief Network. Yeah. You were joking around about it. Well, it's real. Uh, we're launching the National Disaster Relief Network, wow. uh, and that's where we're heading. The Lord's putting that on our hearts. Wow. We've already assisted several cities around the nation over the last several years and helped launch many networks. Now we can't say we're the only church network out there. Houston has well over 300 churches on their network. Wow. They've outgrown us. Uh, it's amazing. But uh, also, the Lord has us decentralize everything we do to prepare for larger disasters in the future to ultimately, you know, we, we're actually hiring 11 sector leaders. If some of you might be here today going, hey, maybe that's me. Uh, to handle each of the areas over the greater Austin area. We're also uh, decentralizing the way that we handle disasters by putting uh, pods, what we call point of distribution centers, all throughout the greater Austin area, 36 of them. We want to be able to handle these disasters in such a way where we can mobilize the church like they've never been mobilized before. So our city by 2024 will be the most uh, ready city, I believe, in the United States. And, uh, you know, you know there's, the Lord does these things for a reason. My prayer is that nothing happens, but we will be ready for anything. The, the other part is that uh, we're having to look for a new location okay. because uh, uh, the location we're at, our current headquarters, is uh, the, the owners are saying it's time to move. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and, and they love us. Yep. Uh, it's not because of us. It's just the deal we had worked out. We knew we had a, a time period. Um, so we are looking for a site that's our big focus right now. So you're going to move the main uh, headquarters, and then you're going to have these, these branch banks almost like so that everybody can have quicker access to resources yes. if a disaster were to take place. Yep, 36 right. of them all across the city. Wow, that's a great plan. Yep. And, then, and then you're continuing to train other cities. We're continuing to, to train other cities, and uh, also we're raising up, uh, you know, the food distribution in the greater Austin area gets pretty hairy. You see the long lines that you see with the food bank. Because there's only one out. place to there's go. There's only one place to go. So right. our hope is by 2024 having 12 different sites where the church could be the distributor, distributor of food along with Central Texas Food Bank working alongside of them. That's a good plan. So, <clears throat> well... Uh, stuff costs stuff. So what, does. <laughs> what's your move and what's, how much is that going to cost? Well, uh, right now we, we believe we have found our potential headquarters. Uh, we may be signing a contract here uh, very soon. Uh, it looks like it's going to cost about 250000 to uh, convert uh, a place that used to be a school, university, mm -hmm. uh, into our headquarters for national and for ADRN, along with another thrift store. So we're opening up thrift store number two. Okay. Um, so. Well, how much have you raised? Uh, we've raised 125000 so far. Halfway there. Uh, yeah, right. halfway there. So, yeah. great. We'll see what we can do towards okay. that. But uh, you know what? First of all, I just want to, like anybody else, just have this amazing feeling of glorifying God by excellent works. Oh my, it is, it, you're a God sent, my friend. Yeah. So 
Our church is a regular contributor to Austin's Disaster Relief Network. We've, we've uh, funneled about $80,000 their way in 2021, not including some individuals to give directly towards them. And we're going to continue to be um, generous in the future. And I, I want to pray for you. And then Thank I want to talk to the, the family here about some stuff, okay? Okay. Gosh, Thank I'm like making me cry, man. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. Lord, we are so grateful for uh, the way you cause things to happen you know, 12 years ago or whenever, and things that you would, you allow bad things to happen so good things can come from that. And that's the case here. So, Lord, I'd ask that you continue to bless the ministry of Austin Disaster Relief, their leaders. I'd ask that you continue to give them insight into what's next. Give them prophetic words about how to plan for the future. You know the future. So just tell them in the present. I'd ask that you would provide for them uh, generously, graciously, volunteers, the right people. I'd ask that you'd protect them. Protect them from the evil one and evil people um, that might want to come in and, and break a good thing. So I'd ask that you'd have a hedge of authority around the, the leadership there. I'd ask that you continue to use this as a lighthouse to other cities so that churches could work together and show the world what excellent works, how they glorify you now and the day of your return. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Daniel. Amen. Always Thank welcome you. here. Amen. You see you, brother. So I've been excited to tell you guys about this for some time. It's, it's like this, let's do this. This first Peter, these, you know, one, these chapters one and two that we've been looking at, and we're looking at identity and building up to this rank that we have when we get to live these most excellent lives that glorify God here now and then and there. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a campaign starting May 1st. It'll be called the Summer of Giving, and then we'll have a, a, a fall of serving. Summer of Giving, a fall of serving. Here's what Summer of Giving is. Well, our accounting department, we're working on our budget that happens this time of year anyway. We're trying to figure out what our expenses and our budget is anyway. Okay, just whatever that is, okay? They don't let me look at the numbers. So after that's established, everything we collect from May 1st through the end of September is going to be given generously to strategic organizations in Austin and around the world. Here's what we're saying. Everything above budget, we want you to just give to the general fund, almost like it's a capital campaign, but this is like an eternal investment portfolio. And some of you guys like have people take care of your money for you. And the reason is you want to pay someone else to do all the homework for you so that you don't have to find out. And here's what you're looking for, strategic investments, effective investments, ones that give the best return. I mean, just because you went to college with someone doesn't mean that's a great investment for like their ministry. It may be the first couple of years, but we're looking for like ROI on this. We're looking at eternal rewards based on and eternal consequences based on ministry. So we're having people look into those investments. But as a church, what we want to do is just give generously. Everything our, above our normal giving, normal budget is going to go to Austin Disaster Relief Network. What if we paid that other 125? Huh? That'd be cool. Uh, the Source Austin, formerly uh, Austin Life Care, they're going to they're gonna visit us on July 11th and tell us what they're up to. We'll be giving to them. How about this homeless crazy thing that we have going here, right? The Austin uh, mayor and the city council, their little experiment is over. And now we have, what, five times the trouble that we had before? 
that's a whole different kind of problem. And unfortunately, it's very difficult to solve that, especially in light of the, the, the way Austin became a magnet for homeless people. So we're going we're gonna to find ministries that deal with people, men and women that do not want to be homeless, that are true victims of some sort of situations that have caused that to happen, and we want to really help those people. We're going to find ministries that do that. But every one of these people are image bearers. There's somebody's mother, somebody's brother and sister, there's somebody's friend, and they can't, they can't help them. So we're going to find a different set of ministries that really are strategic, strategic in how to help people that, that don't want help in some respects. They, that homelessness is a lifestyle choice for them. So it's a different way of loving and a different way of caring for people than the people that don't want to be homeless and want to get out of that. So again, we're going to find ministries to do that, people that are victims of homelessness, people that choose homelessness. We're going to do that. We're looking at water projects in Africa. We're looking at going back to Belize. We want to raise uh, money for school supplies. That's one of our mission pinpoints in Central America. We're going to go back there now that you know, airlines are opening up, and we're going to hopefully fund that school for their school supplies and upcoming things. These are just examples of living such excellent lives in giving. The second part is fall of serving, a fall of serving. While we're looking at these organizations, we want to make sure that one of your most valuable assets is your time. And we're going to look for organizations in the, in, in the Central Texas area, but also around the world where you can volunteer. Uh, like Austin Disaster Relief Network, reading to children, elementary school kids, helping them learn to read. Uh, on our own campus, we've got to get this campus working again, and it runs on volunteers. So the fall, we're going to look for places to serve. Summer of giving, a fall of serving. And then also part of this fall, I'll tell you more about uh, on June 6th on that sermon, I want to tell you about a huge outreach that we're gonna work our way all summer long and most of the fall will be a beautiful time to be bringing friends and family that aren't typically attending a church. It'll be easy and it's a discipleship for you having strategic, heartfelt, spiritual conversations will be ripe. The whole series, the first eight weeks that we'll be doing. So let's do this, let's do this. Let's make this right. Let's get, let's get going, right? Let's get, I'm so excited about the future of grace. Excellent lives. Those who are accuse us of things that aren't even true have to testify of the excellent works that we do. There's another verse, just a few sentences down, verse 15, verse 15 of chapter two, that's interesting. It, it happened to me once. When we were building this building, the superstructure was going up. It was just the ironworks, and it was, it was magnificent. And I was on the sidewalk out front on Jollyville Road, and this woman comes, and she's walking her dog. She lives in one of the apartments, and, she, and she, she didn't know who I was, and she just says, God, look at this place. This church is just building a big building. They need to be giving to the poor. Why aren't they giving to the poor instead of building big buildings? And I said, well... I mean, I happen to know something about this church, and they give out hundreds of thousands of dollars every year over the life of the church, it's millions of dollars. She said, yeah, but, you know, they, they need to be giving to the poor. I said, well, you know what? Where do you give generously? I'm sure the church will be able to help you where you give generously. Got really quiet. Well, they just should be giving to the poor. Here's what the verse for it is God's will that you, by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of the foolish people. That's what happened that day. They ought to be giving generously. Oh, they are. 
famously. Okay, I'm just going to go back to walking my dog, okay, if you don't mind. Okay, go, go ahead, fine. Here's my, here's my last ask, okay? I'm urging you. I'm urging you. You are loved by God. Fight the war that's in your own soul. Tell those passions where they belong. Fast, fast, not just food, fast in whatever gives your passions power. We're running out of time. You're a royal priest. You have a badge. You have rank. Fight that. Be violent towards your ego. That war, it needs to be fought. No holds bar. Are you doing that? How about you commit to that today? The team needs you. The team needs you to be holy. Second, as strangers and exiles, would you be called to live a most excellent life where even people that don't like your beliefs and a supreme being with supreme standards would have to tell stories about your generosity, about your service, and about your love for your fellow man. Would you commit to that? Maybe get involved this summer with generous giving, generous serving, loving one another. See, as strangers and exiles, we're going to have a whole different set of values where we want to give our time and our resources to something that has eternal rewards to it, eternal investments to it. Would you consider that? A summer of giving, there's no building in this for us. It is just for the kingdom of God outside of our acreage. How about that? We're going to give it away. Could you do that? Last little ask here is maybe you're not even part of the team. Maybe you don't even understand that you don't do good so that God will love you. You do good because of what Jesus Christ has done. I want you to ask yourself, do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose to give you the power of the Spirit in your life, and it's all by faith. It's faith in the gift of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you're on any kind of religious treadmill, you do not understand what Christianity is. And if that's, if that's where you are, today's the day where you say, I need to learn what Christianity is. So fight the war within you. Fight the war with love out of you. Or maybe make a decision for Jesus Christ today. That's what, I'm, that's what today's all about. That's why Peter wrote that book, and that's why we're talking about it today. Could you make some choices with me? Let's do that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we lift up uh, this maybe very divine moment right here and right now where there's men and women that are brothers and sisters and they don't, they don't fight the passions for their ego. They submit to it. Lord, I'd ask that you would call them to duty, and in that they would fight, fight for their lives. And I'd ask them to, to live a holy and blameless life because they are beloved by you. Lord, there's men and women here that uh, they don't live like exiles, like they're outside the house. I'd ask that you would invade their thinking so that they would see themselves as just passing through. 
And they would live most excellent lives in what they do with their assets of time and talent and even treasures, that they might live famously, that people would talk about their gifts in the day of your return. And those men and women here that, that don't know you yet, Lord, I'd ask that they would take that first step, contact our church, have a conversation, ask the questions that they might understand that you've been loving them before, you even, before they even thought of you. You've been hunting them, hounding them, and now they've grown tired and they want to hear your voice. Lord, I'd ask they'd take that step. Finally, Lord, I'd ask that you'd bless Grace Covenant Church, bless her indeed. Allow us to continue to influence our city for good, invade people's lives for love, that we would glorify you in our actions and in our songs. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Whew. This was a wonderful day to be at Grace Covenant Church. Thank you for attending. We'll see you next week. Happy Mother's Day. There's some photo booths and stuff outside. Enjoy your day. See you next Sunday.